right. Well, good morning, Overlake. Let's try that again. Good morning, Overlake. All right. My name is Jake. I am one of the pastors, and every once in a while, they let me come up here and share. And so today, I'm excited to share with you. I'm excited to continue in a series that we started a few weeks ago. Uh, We're calling it Summer Growth Spurt. And uh, what we're doing is we're taking this summer and we're focusing on a single topic, and that topic is growth, more specifically, spiritual growth. Now, a lot of things grow. A lot of things grow naturally. Trees grow naturally. Grass grows naturally. Blackberry bushes, yes, they grow naturally. You do not need to water them. You do not need to fertilize them, and they will still take over your backyard. Hair is something else. Hair grows naturally. Now, it may not grow in the exact spot that you desire, or it may be leaving the spot in which you desire, uh, but hair still grows naturally. So a lot of things grow naturally, but when it comes to the spiritual side of our life, uh, when it comes to spiritual maturity, natural growth will not get us there. It won't take us all the way. In fact, to grow spiritually, it requires intentionality. It requires some effort. Spiritual growth requires discipline. And that's your first fill, and if you want to follow today, spiritual growth requires discipline. And as parents, we get this. If you feed your kids food, and I really do hope you feed your kids food, but if you feed your kids food, they will naturally grow up uh, big and strong, right? But if you want them to grow in maturity, it's going to take a whole lot more of an investment than food. Can't just feed them food and they'll grow into maturity. It takes effort. It takes love. And yes, it does take discipline. And all the parents said, amen. Amen, That's right. So we're focusing on growth, more specifically spiritual growth, more specifically than that, spiritual disciplines. We're walking through them. And so today, lucky you, I'm so glad you came. You are here as we're going to walk through our favorite spiritual discipline, the discipline that is the most exciting, the most riveting of all the spiritual disciplines. Today, we are talking about fasting. Exactly. Yeah, all the excitement just left the room, and a few people did as well. Exactly. Fasting. Nobody wants to talk about fasting. If I'm honest with you, I'm not sure I want to talk about fasting, but we're going to do it anyway. There's a lot of mystery when it comes to fasting. A lot of mystery. A lot of questions, because the truth is we don't talk about it a whole lot. It's one of those topics we just don't discuss that whole much. In fact, before I prepared for this talk, I'll be honest with you, I never heard a single sermon dedicated to the topic of fasting before. And so, lucky me, the first sermon I get to hear on fasting is the one I'm giving to you right now. So we'll see how it goes. But the sad news about fasting is this, is that because we seldom understand it, or people seldom understand it, it is seldom practiced. You see, in our current culture, our fast food culture, our get it done, our convenience stores, deliver pizza to your doorstep culture, fasting, for some reason, doesn't seem to fit. Just seems out of place, doesn't it? Like, it's a little old, it's a little obscure, it's a little um, outdated, kind of like a fax machine or a, a pager or something like that. It just doesn't seem to fit in our current culture. And yet... And here's the tension that we're going to talk about today. It is all over the Bible. 
Like from one end to the other, it is sprinkled all throughout. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's in the Gospels. It's even in the concordance. It is throughout the entire thing. You look in there, you'll find fasting all over the place. A great theologian named Richard Foster, he wrote an amazing book entitled Celebration of Discipline. I suggest it highly. And here's what he wrote on page 48. He said, Scripture has so much to say about fasting that we would do well to look once again at this ancient discipline. The list of biblical people who fasted reads like a who's who of Scripture. Moses the lawgiver fasted. David the king. Elijah the prophet. Esther the queen fasted. David the seer. Anna the prophetess. Paul the apostle. And Jesus Christ the incarnate son. They all fasted. But Foster goes on and he says, many of the great Christians throughout church history fasted and witnessed its value. Among them were Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards. Apparently a lot of guys named John like to fast. (laughs) Charles Finney, Mother Teresa, and the Reverend Billy Graham. They all fasted. Friends, there's something about fasting. Like, we've got to admit it. If those monumental men and women, those pillars of our faith, took fasting seriously, they saw value in it, they did it on a regular basis, then like Foster said, it might do us well to actually take a second look at this ancient practice. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to focus in on fasting. And so my goal is this. It's very simple. I would like to bring, and I'm going to try to bring, some clarity around fasting. I want to make crystal clear clarity. I want to remove whatever confusion there is out there on fasting. Okay, and here's how I'm hoping to do that. I'm going to ask some questions. Hopefully these are the questions that we would all be asking about fasting. And then I'm going to answer my own question. So basically, I'm going to have a conversation with myself up here while you're watching me. And so it could get awkward, but let's give it a go. First question. Let's start with the basics. Simple, simple. What is fasting? What is it? Well, just to be clear, fasting is not skipping breakfast because you're late for work. Okay? Fasting's not a diet like that is sent from God, a biblical way to lose weight, like a holy version of Jenny Craig or a holy version of Atkins. It's not like that. Fasting is not an eating disorder. Contrary to popular belief, there are actually some great physical benefits to fasting. Fasting is not a season that we just call Lent. Fasting is also not a hunger strike. It is not saying to God, I'm not going to eat unless you give me a pony. It's not like that. That's demanding, and God doesn't do well with that. Okay? That's not fasting. Fasting is also not this, if you check out this video. I'm going to get something to eat. You want anything? I'm good. Let me get this straight, just so everybody knows. You think you can fast longer than I can? Yeah, I think I can fast longer than you can. Okay, then maybe we have a contest. A fasting contest. I'm going to make you eat your words. You would love that. Yeah. Because then I would lose the contest. (laughs) Ground rules, go. It's an old-fashioned fasting contest. First one to drink or eat anything loses. Absolutely. The only thing you can eat is raisins. Nah, you can't even have raisins or drink anything. No, you can't drink anything except for water. No, not even water. You can't have water, you can't have raisins, you can't have any food or drink of any kind. I got it. No drink, no food. The only thing you can eat is raisins. You cannot have raisins. 
Hey, who do you think would win in a fight, me or a ham sandwich? <laughs> How big is the ham sandwich? Yo, check out this new app I just got. Oh, let's see it. Do you have any weapons? Yeah, yeah, I have a weapon. I have a sword. And the ham sandwich doesn't have anything because it's a sandwich. Is it facing away from How are you considering this still? I'm hungry. I feel like I have to throw up. For real? Yeah, I really think it'll help. Do it. I feel a lot better. Yeah, I feel good. You know, at the end of Sixth Sense, you find out that Bruce Willis was bred the whole time. Was bred? Oh my god. Oh, let me try on your glasses real quick. Sure. I always wonder. How do I look? Not good. <laughs> ah. Oh. Mm. Orange? Are you kidding, you idiot? You just lost! You just lost, which means Ben gets to enjoy all the raisins he wants! All the raisins he wants! Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> you idiot. I didn't lose. You just lost. What? It's a ping pong ball, you moron. <laughs> he was bred the whole time. <laughs> All right. Fasting is not a competition. But as you can see, there is a lot of confusion when it comes to what fasting is. So let's get right to it. What is fasting? Here's a definition if you want to write it down. It is abstaining from physical gratification, traditionally food, in order to heighten our hunger for God. It is abstaining from physical gratification in order to heighten our hunger for God. I'll be honest with you. When I studied for this talk this week, I was shocked to find out how wide the spectrum of opinions are when it comes to fasting. All the different thoughts, not just outside of the church, but within the body of the church. It is a wide spectrum. You have some people who sit on this side of the spectrum, and they believe that fasting is simply a way to try and force God's hand to do something. In other words, it's like a business transaction. You know, God, I'm doing my part. I'm not eating. I'm going without. And so now, according to your word, I expect you to provide for me or give me my answer or give me my reward. Let me make something very clear. This is so important. We do not fast to get something from God. That is not the point of fasting. We do not fast to get something from God. That is not the point. It's not a business transaction. On the other side of the spectrum, other opinions, it is also not a business obligation. So for a lot of people, I heard that I was reading and it said that, hey, because God says to do it, I'm going to do it. And it's as simple as that. It is something God wants for us to do and it's, it's boiled down to like a ritual or a religious routine with about as much joy as visiting the DMV. It's just like, it's, I just do it because God said so. It's a business obligation. 
But there's two sides to that. And the truth is, I feel that the answer is somewhere in the middle of that. It has to be. Because neither of those are the objective. It is not the objective to try and get something from God. We're not, that's not what we're going after. And on the other side, it's not the objective to try and just obey just because I should obey. Truth be told, you may receive something from God because he promises us a reward. But on the other side, you may, you'll also be, giving, uh, you'll be walking in obedience But those are not the objective. The principle of fasting is a transfer of dependence. It sits somewhere in the middle of those. That's what we're going after, a transfer of dependence. It's physically saying that, God, I don't depend on things of this world. My greatest dependence, my greatest desire, my greatest need is you, Jesus. I depend on you. You see, fasting detaches us from the earth and attaches us to God. Fasting detaches us from this earth, the things of this earth, and attaches us to God. That is what fasting is. And that's the first question. All right, let's jump on to number two. Number two, why food? Why would God choose us to fast from food in the first place? Well, Jesus says man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Why food? Because it's one of our basic needs. We need to eat like we need to breathe, although I would suggest not fasting from breathing. Historically speaking, in Jesus' time, first century, food was life. They couldn't drop by the convenience store. They couldn't drop by the restaurant and pick up, you know, takeout. Chipotle wasn't even established yet at that point in time. You had to work all day to make food. It took your whole day. The hands that prepared it, they were thinking about it. They were doing all day long. It took time, a lot of time to prepare and to eat a meal. And so why did God choose food? One of the major reasons I believe God chose food is because of time. Time truly is our most precious commodity. It really is. It is the one thing that we all can offer to God because we all have a limited amount of time. And what God really wants is for us from our go-go, get-it-done society to stop for a moment and spend time with him. Spend time with him. He wants to be with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to be with us. And so he invented, he created this tool to gain more time with him. So why food? One of the major reasons for why choosing food is because God wants our time. And so then that brings us to the naturally the next question, which would be, hey, can I fast from something other than food? Does it have to be food? No, it doesn't have to be food. You can fast from anything that you desire, but here's the catch. It must be a sacrifice. Like, it must be a sacrifice. You have to be giving something up, all right? There's no way around it. Fasting is a sacrifice. Fasting's hard. Fasting will truly cause you inconvenience. It's the emptying of yourself. Fasting will break you down until there is a breakthrough. And so you can fast from just about anything, but it must be a sacrifice. For example, if I choose to fast from watching The Bachelorette on Monday nights, that's not fasting really, because that would be my pleasure, okay? 
If I never see that show again, if my eyes were gouged out because I could have to watch that show, I'd be fine, totally okay, because it's not a sacrifice for me. I don't love it like my wife loves it. She watches it on Monday nights, and I know it would be a sacrifice for her, but for me, <laughs> not even close, not even close. Now, deadliest catch, you asked me to fast from that, and I'm going to have some problems, okay? But, but Bachelorette, no, no go. So it has to be a sacrifice. It must be a sacrifice. Here's a good question. What is it in my life, ask yourself this, that I feel like I cannot live without? Because whatever that is, fast from that. Because it's only a sacrifice if we feel like we're giving up something that we cannot live without. And so back to the question, can you fast from something other than food? Yes, you can fast from TV if that is a sacrifice for you. You can fast from the internet, social media, if that is, a, if that is something that would take up time and is a sacrifice for you. You know what, you could fast from coffee. I hate to say it, no one in Washington has ever done it, but you could fast from coffee. Teenagers, if you're in here, you could fast from texting. And I would suggest it. The roads would be so much safer. Last year, I decided to fast from Pepsi. Now, you're probably thinking, well, that's no big deal. Oh, no, it was a big deal for me. If you know me, I used to drink at least a two liter of Pepsi every day, and that was bare minimum. That was just to get me through the morning, okay? I love Pepsi. I still love Pepsi. Most people, when they wake up in the middle of night, they reach for a, a cool glass to drink. I had a warm can of Pepsi by my bed. So I used to brush my teeth with it. I used to like gargle it with mouthwash. I'd, I'd go on a long jog, and instead of pouring water in myself, I'd douse myself with a bottle of Pepsi. I had a problem, a big problem. I loved Pepsi. And so for me to fast from Pepsi for one full year, which I did last year, was a major sacrifice. It truly was. It was a spiritual decision, not a health decision, although it should have been. It was a spiritual decision for me to fast from Pepsi. And so every time I had an urge to drink some, every time I saw this magnificent logo behind me, every time I went to the movies and drank water with my popcorn, ugh, I was reminded, here it is, on my dependence on Jesus. I was reminded that I only need to depend on him and that the things of this world will not sustain me, but only he will sustain me. And so you can fast from anything that you desire. It just needs to be a sacrifice, okay? All right, next question. Why fast? Why should we fast in the first place? Here's the interesting part of this. Although Jesus, um, although the Bible talks about fasting all throughout, Jesus never commands it. Jesus never says, thou shalt fast. Now, with that being said, he does assume that we will fast. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you fast. He doesn't say, if you will fast. He doesn't say you should fast. He says when you fast. And so he assumes that fasting would be a part of our spiritual lives. Probably the best argument for this is found in Matthew 9 where it says John's disciples, speaking of John the Baptist, 
came and asked him, him being Jesus, how is it that the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom, now he's speaking of himself, he is the bridegroom, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from him, and then they will fast. What Jesus is saying is he's saying, while I'm with you, while I'm here and we're in person, it is not a time for, for, for mourning. It is a time for celebration. It is time for feasting, not for fasting. But he's saying a time will come. He knew his future when he would depart this earth. And a time will come. And when I leave, that's when my disciples should fast. Friends, Jesus is gone from this earth, and he will return. The time I'm talking about is right now, and we are his disciples. And so Jesus said we will fast. So let's review. Jesus didn't command it, all right? Are we sinning if we don't fast? No, we are not. But should we fast? The answer is yes. If for no other reason than the fact that Jesus himself fasted. Here's what it says in Matthew again. It says in Matthew 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's an understatement. This passage is often used by preachers to talk about the power of the Word of God. Like, because Jesus combated Satan's temptation by quoting scripture back at Satan and then defeated him. But I also want you to notice this, is that Jesus prepared himself for the moment of temptation. How? By fasting. By fasting. Satan thought it was his weakest moment. But the truth is, Jesus was prepared for fasting to defeat him in that moment. And so why do we fast? Number one, Jesus assumes that we will. Number two, he says we will. And number three, Jesus himself modeled it for us. That's why we should fast. All right, next question. And here's a big one. This is a big one. What are the benefits of fasting? Like, what is in it for us? What do we get out of it? And honestly, there are a lot of benefits when it comes to fasting. So I'm only going to tackle a few, but here's the first one. Fasting forces us to focus on God. Fasting forces us to focus on God. You see, when we go without food, we experience hunger pains. Those are a natural, physical reminder of our dependence upon God, and it helps us to keep our mind focused and zoomed in on Him. But also, and this is interesting, in a very physical and biological way, our senses are actually heightened when we fast. Let me explain. When you eat a large meal, what is the first thing you want to do typically after lunch? What do you want to do? That's right. It is nap time, baby. You want to get back in bed. You want to close your eyes and listen to sounds of rain on your iPod. That's what you want to do. And the reason that you want to do that is because all of a sudden, blood is rushing to your stomach. After you've had a big meal, blood is rushing to your stomach to start the process of digestion. But when you choose not to fast, there's no food in your stomach, and the blood that would go to your belly is now going to your brain. And not only that, the synapses in your brain actually fire quicker, and you can actually think clearer 
when that is happening. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, hold on a second, Jake, I fasted before, or I've gone without a couple meals, and all I got was a big headache. Probably true. But that's, here's the thing, your stomach has to be empty. So after 24 hours, that's when this starts to take place. That's when you're able to think clear. That's when we're able, not only in our heart, but in our head, to focus on God. And so fasting forces us to focus on God. Second benefit, fasting breaks our enslavement. Foster wrote this. He said, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were hungry? Like really, really hungry. Like we almost have to wait 20 minutes sometimes to get to our next meal our next bite of food, if we're stuck in traffic or in a meeting or, or in a sermon about fasting. I'm going to make a big statement, but this is a true statement. As Americans, we do not know how to go without. Truly, we are so filled up on food and entertainment that we have lost or are losing our appetite for God. Now, please hear me. I am not saying that there's anything wrong with eating or with moral entertainment. Those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. But because by their very nature, there is nothing wrong with them, we fail to realize that they may be to blame for our lack of hunger for God. You see, we snack and snack and snack on food and entertainment. It's like Thanksgiving. You snack and snack and snack all during the day. And when it comes to sit down and eat the big bird, we're not hungry. Same with God, we snack, snack, and snack on things like food and entertainment, and when it comes time to sit down and have a conversation or spend time with God, our hunger, our appetite is not super strong. In fact, those things can get so bad that they can actually enslave us. Paul the Apostle says this, he says, everything is allowable to me, but not everything is profitable. Everything is allowable to me, but to nothing will I become a slave. That's good. Thomas Constain wrote a book entitled The Three Edwards, and in that book, he told the story of Renald III. He was a 14th century king and, um, and from what is now known as the land of Belgium. Obviously, Belgium. We don't want to even talk about that after our soccer experience. But here is the story, okay? I'm just going to read it straight out of the book. Grossly overweight, Renald was commonly called his, by his Latin name, Crassus which means very, very large. After a violent quarrel, Renald's younger brother, Edward, led a successful revolt, overthrowing and replacing Renald as king. Edward captured Renald, but he did not kill him. Instead, he built a room around him, a brown Renald, in a new part of the castle and promised Renald that he could retain his title as king and his property as soon as he was able to leave the room. This would not be difficult for most people as there were several windows and a door of near normal size which were not locked or barred. The problem was Renald's size. To retain his freedom, his throne, his kingdom, he needed to lose weight. But Edward knew his older brother and each day he sent him a variety of delicious foods. Instead of dieting his way out of prison, Renald grew larger still. When Edward was accused of cruelty, he had a ready answer. My brother is not a prisoner. He may leave any time he wishes. 
Renald stayed in that room for nearly 10 years and wasn't released until after his brother Edward's death in battle. And by then, his health was so ruined that he died a year himself, a year after himself. A prisoner of his own appetite. A prisoner of his own desires. Friends, anything that empowers us can also imprison us. But anything that can imprison us can be set aside for a period of time to break its enslavement. Foster also wrote this. He wrote, Our human desires are like rivers that tend to overflow their banks. Fasting brings the rivers under control and forces it to flow within its proper boundaries. One of the major benefits of fasting is that it breaks the enslavement. It breaks our enslavement to things and desires. Third one, this one's probably my favorite. Third benefit that happens here is fasting increases our intimacy with God. John Piper once wrote, the birthplace of Christian fasting is homesickness from God. When we fast, Scripture does say that that God will reward us. And oftentimes we feel like God will reward us in an answer or in something he gives us. But the truth is God chooses to reward us in the manner that God wants to reward us in. But the one thing we can be assured of from fasting is that God will reward us with himself. Intimacy with him. Intimacy with God comes from fasting. And friends, that is the best thing. That is the best thing that you could possibly get out of this life. God. 1,000%. Let me me imagine a story with me, if you will. Imagine if I took my daughter to the mall with me, my two-and-a-half-year-old, and all of a sudden she starts to throw a little temper tantrum right in the middle of the mall. Now, obviously, I'm making this up because, number one, I'd never go to the mall, and then, number two, my little sweet angel would never act out in public. But let's say that it happens, okay? And we're there, and she is screaming. She wants everything. She wants to touch. Give me, give me, mine, mine. She sounds like one of those seagulls on Finding Nemo. She just wants, she needs, and she's screaming. Because what daddy's doing is by saying no, I'm essentially forcing her to fast. To fast from her desires. To fast from what she wants. To fast from her perceived needs. And so my daughter's freaking out, and of course you got to address it. And so I get down to her level, and I'm like, honey, babe, you don't have to scream. It's okay, right? But that doesn't work. And so I try to reason with her, which if you're a parent, you know how that goes. So then I get a little forceful, and I try to threaten her, and I'm like, Magnolia may if you don't stop crying. I will give you something to cry about. No, I would never do that. Just once. No, I promise. I've never done it. But here's what I do with my girls. I actually do this. Is what I would do is I would pick her up, and I would lift her up, and then I would start to sing to her. And and honestly, I just love to make up songs. And so I'd be like, I love you, Maggie. No need to cry. It'll be okay. I'm by your side. And then Maggie just all of a sudden it'd get her attention and she'd look at me and she'd just stop for a moment, stop screaming, stop throwing, and she'd just look in my eyes and then she'd 
just this little tiny smile would start to come over her face. And then she'd lay her head down on my shoulder and then I'd start to walk back to the car, back to the truck and, and she's like singing with her the whole time. I love you, Maggie. And then finally I get to the end of the car, I get to the truck, I open it up and I put her in her car seat and I buckle her in and she's almost asleep at this moment and she says to me, sing it again, Daddy. Daddy, sing it again. And here's the truth. That's what fasting is really like. That's what fasting is. It's us getting our desires and setting them aside. It's setting them aside so that we could hug our Heavenly Father. It is putting down what we think our earthly needs so that our Heavenly Father can sing a love song to us. That's what fasting truly is. We are drawn away from the provision and drawn towards the provider. In James 4, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near unto you. Fasting truly does, if it does anything, it increases our intimacy with God. That's my favorite part about fasting. All right, now let's go to the last question. Last question, and this is the practical one. We're gonna get very practical. How do I fast? How do I fast? And although Jesus did not command us to fast, he did actually give us a lot of instruction on how to fast. In Matthew, Jesus says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, look normal. So that it will, be, it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your heavenly Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. How do we fast? In secret. We fast in secret. The Pharisees, they used to fast on Monday and Thursdays. Any guesses to why? It's not because those were holy days or holidays. It was because those were market days. And that's when everybody all throughout Jerusalem would go to the market and they trade for fish and flour and whatever they needed. And the Pharisees, they showed up as well. They would dirty themselves up. They'd make themselves look like they were suffering. And then they would stand there so that when the normal people, potentially hundreds and thousands of people, would walk by and go, wow, look at how holy they are. Aren't they so spiritual? And what God is saying is that they have received their reward at that point in time. They receive their reward. You see, the purpose of fasting is not so that others will see us. The purpose of fasting is so that God will see us. Case in point, I almost, I almost shy away from using this example, but I've seen it way too many times. So if this is you, I apologize. But if you're gonna fast from Facebook, don't announce it on Facebook. Okay? If, that's, if you do that, you're missing the point. That's not how Jesus says that we are to fast. 
Fasting is something that we do privately. It's not something we do publicly. Now, I get that you may need to let people know, like your doctor, fine. Go let your doctor know to find out if this is something that is good for you to do or is okay, or that you're prepared to do it. Also, if you're married, and gentlemen, if your wife cooks you a meal, please let her know, because when she serves you and you're like, yeah, I'm not hungry, you know, that's not gonna work. Okay, so let the people who need to know, know, but do not announce it to the world. The point on how Jesus wants us to fast is in secret. That's the first way. The second way is in prayer. In prayer. Fasting goes hand in glove with prayer. It's like peas and carrots. It's like Batman and Robin. It is like Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson. You cannot separate the two. Okay, and I'm so ready for football season to start. The real interesting thing is that passage that I just read you actually parallels and follows another passage on prayer. And that that passage in prayer almost is identical in its verbiage. Here's what Jesus says about prayer. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And on the street corners to be seen by who? By others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Sounds similar? It sounds similar because the structure and fasting and prayer are completely linked 1,000%. Fasting is the emptying of ourselves before God. Prayer is the filling of ourselves with God. So to separate the two does not work. They go hand in hand. And so how do you pray or how do you fast? You fast in secret and you fast with prayer. And here's the last one. You fast for a period of time. You need to set a clear ending, a clear beginning and a clear ending. And so how long is the question? Well, honestly, that's between you and God, but it also is dependent upon how, what type of food fast that you desire to do. There is what is called a traditional fast. This is the fast of abstaining from all food, but you're still able to drink water, okay? No raisins, but you can have water. This is the type of fast that Jesus went through for 40 days. Now, if it's your first time, I do not suggest that you try 40 days. Why don't you try one day and then work your way up? That's a traditional fast. There's also what's known as a partial fast. And this is selective by nature. This is like I'm fasting from chocolate or from caffeine. And this, depending on how long or what you choose, will depend on how long you go. Daniel gave us the example of this in Daniel chapter 10. He said, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. He went three weeks, but again, depending on what you're choosing will depend on how long it goes. The last fast is the absolute fast. This is fasting from food and water. And the Queen Esther actually commanded and ordered this fast. She said, go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. Now the body can go without food for at least 40 days, but the body cannot go without water much past three days. And so I would suggest not going past three days on this particular fast. But the thing is, is the details are really up to you. It's between you and God. Truly, what's not important is the how as much as actually it is the doing. 
Nike had that phrase a long time ago, that, that slogan, just do it. My message today is very similar. My hope is that you would just try it. That you would just try it. Honestly, I get it. I understand how mysterious fasting is. I get how counter-cultural it is. I get that it feels weird. I get that people might think you're weird if you actually engage in fasting. But I'm telling you, you would be shocked at what comes out of it if you actually gave it a go. It is a tool that is sent to us from God. It's not old and outdated. It is for now. This last week, I chose to, uh, I chose to fast, a traditional fast from, from food. And to be honest, it wasn't just to prepare for a message about fasting. And uh, my reward is completely gone because I just told all of you guys about it right now. But I needed to meet with God. Like everyone else, I wrestle with things, truly. And I was wrestling with some things, and I really needed to know, I needed to know that God was with me. I just needed that assurance again. And so I decided to fast. And I'll tell you, it's hard to fast. It really is. Like, I was watching TV, and I've never seen so many commercials on food as I did last week. <laughs> There's so many commercials about food, and they all look good. I'm not making this up. There was a Hershey's wrapper, like a, like a bar inside of my garbage. And in a moment, I had the thought, should I pick it up and lick the inside of it? <laughs> I mean, it came to my brain. It's hard to fast. It takes effort. I'm not going to, like, get around that. But the benefits, the benefits are huge. And if for no other reason, the intimacy with God is humongous. I can't tell you how God met me last week and how wonderful it was to just know, hey, he's still there. He's still there in a very real and practical way. I think God gave us this gift, and I'm going to call it a gift of fasting, so that we could stop from our go-go, get-it-done lifestyles and just take a moment and spend it with him. And if you do, I promise you, that God will meet you where you're at. So my suggestion is this. Although it's weird, although it seems strange, I say just try it. Just try it. Keep it between you and God, but just try it. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of fasting. And again, I do call it a gift because you show up when we fast. And thank you for modeling it for us in the first place. I mean, you didn't have to, but you did. And so I pray for every individual here. If we jump into this thing, God, would you give us the strength to persevere for what we've committed to you and for what we're doing? And, and I know you'll meet us, so I don't even need to pray for that. But again, I thank you for the gift of fasting. And as we jump forward into this thing, Lord, I look forward to meeting with you once again. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.